Well, hello there. It is the first Friday of the new year. Who'd have thunk? We made it. It's 2022. And uh, we are talking about a film tonight about everybody's woes, the house guests that overstay their welcome. The house guests from hell. No, you can't have another turkey leg. Get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, happy new year, DJ. Yes, sirree. Happy new year, Toppy. Um, Did old man winter come down your chimney? (laughs) You know what? We had like super mild weather for like forever. And then finally, finally. Uh, right around New Year's, really, it finally turned uh, freezing. And it's been that way ever since. And in fact, we got down into the 20s. It's been nothing stellar or record-breaking or anything, unless you consider the fact that it was really warm for quite a while. That might have been record-breaking. But we have a we have a couple inches of snow, and I've got the heat on. And by the way, I don't know what uh, Gertie or our um, landlord has done here at the uh, Marionette Theater here in Spuds Flats, but it's pretty warm. I forgot to start that, but Oops. yes, it's a little warm, isn't it? Well, not a little, but it's it's warm, and I mean, I'm not freezing, which is unusual. Because uh, we're here in the balcony, and it's a big place, so hats off to uh, the landlord for springing for the heat <laughs> and those moth-eaten blankets <laughs> and seats. But oh, uh, don't you know. whatever you do, just don't sit down too hard in the mate. They haven't yeah. vacuumed in a while here. Okay, are you two finished? Because I got something to say. Oh, uh, DJ. Uh, a moment, please. Uh, yes, Gurney. Um, listen, I just want to say that I would have been perfectly cast in tonight's movie and Christie Alley's role. And back when she did this, I think I kind of would have been about the right age. Okay, I would have been much older than Christie Alley, but but I still think I could have pulled it off. Anyways, I'm miffed. I'm pissed. I could have done this. I'm a comedic genius, but all I do now is man the concession stand. So I guess I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, right, thank thanks, you, Gertie. And uh, I appreciate you coming off your bender and putting yeah, on yeah. tonight. <laughs> Whatever. Fine. I'll be downstairs whenever you're freaking ready for me to introduce this stupid show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh well you know make sure that door don't slam but uh yeah i, I guess here we go mark and jesse are newlyweds who've recently settled into their first house together no sooner is the honeymoon over before they learn they'll be expecting their first house guests Shortly, Mark is reunited with a cousin he hasn't seen in years, and both begin to reminisce about how life has changed. It isn't long before the guests begin to overstay their welcome. 
After one thing leads to another, the couple find themselves in quite a pickle. Take out your color-coordinated luggage, your favorite wine, and a hurricane glass. It's time for Madhouse with John LaBriquette and Kirstie Alley. Hit it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies? And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Well there, Toppy. It's the new year, and you know, we actually finally arrived in the 21st century here at Chateau Star Sage. Really? What do you mean? Well, um, you know, we we like to dip our toes in the water of technology every now and then. Okay, and sometimes the we find out there are piranhas in the pond. That's usually oh. hubby's resistance to adopt technology. Uh, okay. <laughs> but oh, uh, my resistance to adapting new technology is blind ignorance. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I thought that was your nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I got Hubby a, a a Christmas gift that I wanted to to try out on him. I got him one of those smart devices. Um, you know, if if you think about it, it's kind of like those picture frames that they used to have when the internet was new and pictures would be digital. Yeah. But you add a camera to it and a microphone and so now you could talk to it like a lot of people will put it in their kitchen. And yeah. if you have uh, loved ones who are older, sometimes they come in handy because you can check in on dear old mom and dad. So, okay. uh, you know, we got one of those devices and um, I liked it so much. I got myself one. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> I'm I'm confused because at first I thought you were talking about one of them, their picture frames where you could just load your, fr- your pictures in and they and they would play like a slideshow of your pictures. But this sounds more like a, a sneaky spy device. Oh, uh, they don't know. spy on you. It, now, what, is, tell me more about this, because I really I don't quite understand what this well, is. The, the, it actually has an analog, and that's what we call the old-fashioned levers these days. It has a little slider on it so that you can block the camera when you're not using it. Okay. But it, it, it's the profile of an alarm clock, essentially. And I just explained as a... Uh, digital picture frame to simplify things because it has a display in it like a uh, a smartphone but right. you set it on your counter or your end table or your nightstand right. Right. and you know uh, you could talk to it but um, it's really handy to have and uh, you know like I said a lot of people are putting them in their kitchens because who doesn't like to watch a video on how to make something when you're making it in the kitchen you can rewind and pause and blah 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 okay now what this is sounding to me like and remember Mm -hmm. I'm ignorant but this sounds to me like a a video version of Alexa or something it's in that family and um, 
you know, they've got several models that have come out over the last few years. Okay. Of course, we don't believe in buying this year's latest and greatest because you pay more money for that. But last year is uh, perfectly listen, fine. DJ, I've been <laughs> to antique stores with you. I know this. <laughs> I know this. Oh, but yeah, I uh, we we're in the 21st century now, and I can play the sound of rain to fall asleep too. <laughs> Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, papers. Oh, I'm I'm sure they probably have that in there too. But you know, um, one once the fog has cleared, we'll try to uh, drag you over your your vaudeville vaudeville style and show you things. As long as you know, my fog rarely clears. Really. (laughs) But anyways, I've heard that about you, and I have to tell you, I've been told that it has a lot to do with diet. Really? Yeah. (laughs) DJ, do we have a trailer for this movie we're doing tonight? We sure do. Settle in, folks. It's the 90s all over again. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. No, get that snack later. You listen to me. Lock your doors. Don't answer the phone. If you have to leave the country, then leave the country, but don't let them in. What are you talking about? I am talking about house guests from hell. We're here. They came by air. Meet your cousin. And Jesse. No. Oh, no, no. They came by land. You wouldn't happen to have any good scotch, would you? And then they started to multiply. They looked insane. We are not insane. We are from New Jersey. And multiply. I'm building bleachers for the TV set. Uncle Mark, I-, I think I just ran over your cat. Oh! Oh! oh, God, I'm gonna have a blast, baby! Some house guests came unannounced. Maybe we're in some vacation guide for the dam. Some announced. This is the police. We have you surrounded. We have to do something about these people. Then. One day, you touch me, I sue you. Mark and Misty snapped. When house guests become house pets, it's time to exterminate. John Larroquette, Kirsty Alley. They're animals. They're cockroaches. If we have a nuclear war, <laughs> the only living thing to survive will be house guests. <laughs> Misery is company. We'll keep you updated as this bizarre story unfolds. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, DJ, 1990. Oh, my God. Uh, House. uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a madhouse. Uh, DJ, if if people could see you, and they can actually, because Mm -hmm. what are we doing? We're like simultaneous. I mean, some kind of magic here. (laughs) Even while we're doing this, we're on YouTube. mm -hmm. How does it work? Well, on the first and third Friday, if you're listening to this as a podcast, this is live twice a month. If you go to matinee minutia, yeah, good luck spelling that, dot com, and uh, you you can either join our chat room while we're live, or you can listen to us, but... This is the uh, beautiful world of color TV, kind of. Uh, YouTube. You find that little YouTube logo on our page, and you can watch us live on screen if and you're can't, here. Can't people even do that, like, right now live? Like, couldn't couldn't they 
see us and talk and like everything right on YouTube right now? They sure could. In fact, if the uh, the ceiling in my old house were to fall on me right now, knock on yeah. wood, you would see it live. <laughs> All right. DJ, hoping that some people are watching you right now, please describe your look for the podcast listeners who can't see. Oh, well, I am a businessman on the lamb. Mm. <laughs> Just like the lead character portrayed by Mr. John Larroquette in tonight's film, Mr. Mark Bannister. I am uh, dressed in a button-down shirt that's slightly askew because I've had a frazzled day at work. I believe that's a tie around your head. Yes. And, uh, you know, maybe it didn't quite make it to my uh, my wardrobe for the day, but it's there in spirit. <laughs> nice, nicely done, DJ. Uh, now, uh, 1990 is when Madhouse came out. Let's talk about what was happening in the world in 1990. The U.S. history in 1990. Douglas Wilder became the first African-American elected governor in the state of Virginia. D.C. Mayor Marion Barry was arrested on drug possession. Morris Worms. Oops was released by Cornell. Uh, oh, wait, uh, I guess it's a, a book called Morris Worm. Oh, wait, sorry, The Morris Worm. It's a computer virus. Oh. Was released by Cornell graduate uh, while they were at oh. MIT. Nice, Cornell. Wait yeah. a minute. In oh, fact, at MIT. It was, oh, it was, we'll, <laughs> we'll blame MIT, not Cornell. <laughs> It's the inspiration for a uh, forthcoming film in the 90s. It's uh, the um, it's screen debut of Angelina Jolie. It was Hackers. Oh, uh, so really? In, yes. Also in 1990, former Exxon skipper Joseph Hazelwood. He was brought up on negligence charges for the oil spill. That was a bad one, folks, if mm. you recall. Oh. The first McDonald's in Moscow opened. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Sorry, Moscow. Now I you think, can have heart disease. Yeah. Yes, it was. Uh, it was the Red Scare a few years late. Ah! <laughs> a smoking ban took effect on all U.S. domestic flights of less than six hours. Can you believe, folks? It's hard to believe now. It really is. But people used used to smoke on planes, <laughs> and uh, folks. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I'm a smoker, and even I can't believe people used to smoke on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so in 1990, Antonia Novella is sworn in as Surgeon General, you know, uh, no coincidence there, of the United States and became the first female in Hispanic American to serve in that position. All right. Righteous Antonio. Yeah. I mean, Antonio. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just a few more headlines in 1990. Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, it won Best Picture at the 62nd Academy Hulk, Awards. Hulk, you're my best friend. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, go make water. All right. Would you please? All right. Yes. Ryan White, the the poor young man who uh, had he- hemophilia, 
He died from AIDS at the age of 15 after a tainted transfusion. Yikes, folks. That was a different time, Mm. a freaking long time ago. And the, uh, uh, the terrible... Oh, that Ryan White story is so awful on so many levels. Anyways, there you go. Now, uh, we've recently had a succession in this installment of the story in the 1990s, the Hubble Telescope. Yes. Recently succeeded by the James Webb Telescope that was launched. Just now, right? Like last oh, uh, couple weeks, weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, way back Can in you? the 90s, yeah. that was 30 years ago, we had a, a, a an important breakthrough in space astronomy, and now we've got a new one in our skies. DJ, am I recalling correctly, but didn't that very, very first Hubble telescope go up and there was, it, there was something wrong with it before they even, I mean, they had to go back up to repair. It was they, a, they it was did. a little bit of horrible. Yeah, they they determined that the mirrors that were part of its imaging system were slightly imperfect, so they essentially had to design a pair of reading glasses for it. Yeah, so, that's right. Mm-hmm, but it was it was more than I want to say five years possibly before they could repair it because of the the uh the budgeting and everything that it takes to plan a, a space shuttle mission i remember though how completely disappointing it was because the hubble telescope was ballyhooed and was something that we knew was going to happen and it was like going to be amazing <laughs> it went up and we can't see anything <laughs> now they 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 it was useful on some level it just couldn't you know, it was like nearsighted. It couldn't yes, reach yes. To the depths of the, you know, center of the universe. What is God doing right. with a starship? That's right. Uh, but of course, we had the uh, space shuttles mm-hmm. and they went up there and they freaking fixed it. How about that? And, you know, that's a sore subject. I, I, uh, I, I, um, I spent some time in the hometown of astronaut Eileen Collins. Oh. And I have her autograph. She was the first woman space shuttle commander and first woman pilot to orbit the earth in the space shuttle. And, um, well, um, I did not. Oh, go ahead. I, 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 despite my best efforts, I never managed to see a space shuttle launch in my youth. You mean in person? No, correct. I, 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 I was meaning to get around to it. In fact, by the time some of the final launches were made, um, my mother had remarried, and she had a winter home in Florida, so I could have managed. But things don't always go according to plan, and stuff got rescheduled. And <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, there you go. In uh, yeah, go ahead. President Herbert Walker Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act. Maybe, in- possibly, one of the most important. If there was anything else he could have done, that was an amazing act to pass. Absolutely. It was a measure of anti-discrimination. And lastly, but certainly not least, as we are celebrating our 71st episode tonight, way back when we started, our journey was 
Barbarella with Jane Fonda. Now, Uh-oh. I'm pretty sure that when that film came out, it had a strong rating. Well, in 1990, the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA for you amateurs, retired the X rating in favor of NC-17. Uh, yeah, uh, well, that's all on good. Now, folks, before I go on with celebrity births, I just want to tell you that uh, the DJ here uh, does a whole lot of the research involved in this little production we do. And uh, it seems to me that he picks celebrities that have weird names on purpose that I have to pronounce. <laughs> so I'm going to do my the best. There's only a couple. Celebrity births in 1990, folks. Jonathan Lip Nicky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know who the hell that is, but he was Jerry McGuire in 96 with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know who Jonathan Lip Nicky is? Oh, you just do a Google image search copy and make sure that you don't have the, um, the safe for work filters on. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> next name. Uh... Hard, I don't know. Kathleen Hurlis, Hurls, Hurlis, Hala, Hur- Kathleen Hurlis. She was the original voice of Dora the Explorer, don't you know? Anyways, Kathleen Hurlis. <laughs> well, you know, some of our friends on the other side of the fence would remember that for the happy birthday song. There you go. Listen, <laughs> the next name I know how to uh, pronounce uh, David Archuleta. Uh, but it's only because I've heard the name so many times. If I was to try to pronounce that from the spelling, I don't know what I'd say. He was that singer, the finalist in American Idol. Those uh, people were born in 1990, if you can believe it. Okay, so Madhouse, it was a theatrical release. And it came out, uh, well, probably a little bit better than the middle of the road. Listen, folks, we don't pick the number one (laughs) box office choice very often. Maybe not even ever. Listen, the crayons at the front of the box are boring. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. So Madhouse was number 64, and it came out... Around Valentine's Day in 1990. So it was a winter release. So, uh, you know, not too far from when we're talking about it right now. It brought in 21 million that year. Now, uh, the films that were at the top of the box office, the top three, the first one, Toppy, I'm pretty sure you probably had a crush on this uh, shirtless gentleman. He he, He was known for his dirty dancing and oh. then, um, he uh, he tangoed with uh, Bruce Willis's uh, future ex-wife. Um, this was Ghost, brought in two hundred and five million, and um, I do believe that uh, it allowed our friend Whoopi Goldberg from the the Star Trek: The Next Generations oh. a, uh, a a chance to take a break from filming television. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everything comes back to Star Trek here, folks. Of course. We're going to come back to that soon. <laughs> uh, anyways, you know what? 1990 was kind of big. 
for mm. these movies. So go ahead. What else was in there? Okay, so number two at the box office, bringing in 170 million. Now I don't recall who who was uh, the runner up on this, but. Uh, it was the the uh, the big film of the year for Julia Roberts and Mr. Silver Fox himself, Richard Gere. Pretty women. Yes, pretty woman. And number three, bringing in 143 million, the screen debut of child actor Mr. Macaulay Culkin and future star of Schitt's Creek, no, I didn't say a swear, Catherine O'Hara in ah. Home Alone, $143 million that year. It was part of a trilogy, sort of. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> what was the one movie that made a little bit more Madhouse. Okay, so one rung up from Madhouse was a film starring Tom Selleck. Now, I'm intrigued because I adore this actor, Tom Selleck and Alan Rickman. This is a movie about a Wyoming sharpshooter who was hired by an Australian rancher. Quigley Down Under brought $21.4 million in on the box office. Why didn't... Uh, this guy, uh, 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 Tom Selleck, why didn't he have a more stellar box office career? You know, he was up for, um, the role in Steven Spielberg's big, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Oh, I can't think of it. But you know where they 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 they, they searched for the lost ark and all that. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, he was going to be in that, but I don't know. Hmm. Maybe he wasn't available, or they didn't select him. But he was going to be. And anyways, Tom Selleck should have had a better career, I think. You know, I'm going to venture to guess. Maybe they asked him to shave his mustache, and he wasn't ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right you got that all right now one last than madhouse scoring in at number 65 a rung below was a animated film that's actually something that i adore really and it stores stars the voice of mr bob newhart and of course the uh television jarling from green acres ava gabor the Rescuers Down Under brought in $20.4 million in 1990. Japers, that's pretty good. Was that Disney? Um, I think it may have been. I Tommy, think it was. Tommy is a pretty good authority on that. Tommy, was Rescuers Down Under Disney? I think it was. <laughs> I, I did go see The Rescuers, the first one, mm -hmm. in the theater. And I remember liking it very much. I, I never saw Rescuers Down Under. Hmm. So, Toppy, um, let's let's get into Madhouse. Yes, sir. So, the Marionette Theater is a celebrated venue of many a splendid thing, and uh, we've had many acts here: vaudeville, burlesque, and we've had magicians. Now, the yeah, yeah, I know all about it, TJ. Go ahead, Gapers. <laughs> all right. So, the the talent that brought you this film, the magician of the film, is the director. Tell us about the director of Madhouse, Toppy. All right, Tom Ropolewski. 
Did I pronounce it right? I hope I so. I think so. Yeah, Tom Ropaluski. Listen, I've never heard of him. <laughs> uh, but anyways, born and raised in Massachusetts. And Madhouse, well, it was his directorial debut. You might wonder what he did before that. Well, he had previously produced Kirstie Alley's prior starring film, Loverboy, which I don't remember at all. It was in 1989 with Patrick Dempsey and Kate Jackson, of all people. <laughs> don't remember it. In 93... Ropolowski directed uh, the forthcoming sequel to Kirstie Alley. There's a connection here, Kirstie Alley. Uh, remember she did Look Who's Talking? Well, it was tremendously popular. And uh, he did both Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking Now. By the way, it had uh, the voices of Diane Keaton and Danny DeVito. Bruce Willis, I think, too. Anyway, uh, uh, in the late 90s, Repolewski would produce Seven Days. Don't know nothing about it. Never heard about it. I don't have a clue. But it was a UPN series that explored time travel to correct a sequence of events during a period of the week. Now, here's your Star Trek. UPN was the home of Star Trek Voyager. That's why you don't know about it. It was that elusive fourth network. <laughs> Oh, my God. It all comes back to start. We'll talk about that later. Uh, I'll uh, see you after class. Yeah. <laughs> to date, Tom Rapolowski has uh, both directed. Uh, he's both uh, five. He's got five directing and five producing credits. That's what I want to say. Um, and he has he's got 12 other writing credits. His last credit, 2018 was a documentary about the Los Angeles school for the gifted. We're at about halfway mark in our show. So we're going to just, uh, you know, sidestep over here to the snack bar. Yeah, yeah. Anything you want. I'll shove it in your face. Boy, <laughs> she's crabby tonight. Holy you got, cow. You got any of that leftover fruitcake? Man? Yeah, fine. <laughs> just have a seat. But Boy. maybe John Larroquette should come by so you two can have a, um, a, a, a meeting and sponsor thing. Yeah. Why doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Man. So for your listening enjoyment, here is a 1990 interview with John Larroquette with Texan Darling. <laughs> we love her here. Bobby Wyan, who is a, uh, a host on Dallas Morning News. <laughs> Are you? Uh, damn fine, your own self. <laughs> John, if you just learn to express yourself in, <laughs> in language we all understand, we'd all get along a lot better anyway. Yeah, I enjoyed you in Madhouse. Oh, good. Yeah, I did. I did. I have to ask you because I've been asking the others in, in the cast. Okay. What is your favorite cat story from this movie? Uh, well, that's a good question. I think there was, a, you know, it's always frustrating working with animals. Because um, they just do what they want to do. And there were several times when this cat was supposed to do something uh, to eat a piece of food. And it just it would, it went on interminably. And I felt like drop kicking it across the street at that point. Um, but uh, all in all, it was, a, it was a good trainer. And it was, it was pretty funny. And the puppet was very funny, too. There were several times when um, 
its number of lives kept dwindling. Um, I think the cats started looking around, wondering if they were eventually really going to do it to him. <laughs> and uh, then the snake and the elephant. Yeah, there are some animals in this. I seem to get stuck with animals a lot. I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe I remind them of uh, um, a, a ringmaster or something. But animals are tough, really tough to work with. Worse than kids. Yeah, kids you can communicate with at least, you know, and you can... Uh, and you can threaten them to, you know, to <laughs> throw them in the trunk of a car if they don't behave. Uh, but with animals, they just don't, you know, you know, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> but they're fun. When it works, it's very funny. I mean, what we'll see, what people will see, you know, they don't see any of the other stuff except when it got right, and it's very funny. Do you have any of those kinds of problems on night court? Well, we use a lot of animals on night court, strangely enough. And we've had orangutans, elephants, horses. Seals. Uh, I had to work with a seal last year. Oof. Boy, you get close to something that eats nothing but fish. Yikes. Smells like a, an old bus somewhere. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we've had a lot of problems with the animals. We had an orangutan that attacked its trainer at one point uh, that we had to get rid of. Um, we've had elephants that have sort of decided, here's a good place to relieve myself in the middle of the courtroom. And so um, it's been funny. It's been weird, but funny. Do you have a fantasy role that you would like to do sometime, John? You know, I, there's nothing that really pops up in my mind. I mean, there are great men out there who I'd love one day to be able to live with for a while. I'd love to live with Willie Loman. I'd love to live with King Lear. I'd love to live with James Tyrone and Long Day's Journey in Tonight. And um, there are a lot of British plays that I would love to do just for the sake of uh, being able to, a lot of Harold Pinter work that I would love to do just for the exercise of getting it right. Uh, but there's no one person out there. Archie Rice, I would love to try to do The Entertainer again on stage. But Olivia did such a great job. It's always something very daunting to approach something he's done. Do you share the opinion that Olivier was the greatest actor of his time? Um, next to Don Knotts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he just lost points with Toppy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. So let's talk about John Lover Kett. That's who you just heard there in that interview. He was born in New Orleans, kind of famously, and he began acting on television in the mid-70s. You would have seen him on oh, lots of shows like Sanford and Son and Kojak. Well, his big show was Night Court. Um, but even before that, he had some guest appearances on CBS's Dallas. He had a supporting role in the NBC series Bob Bob Black Sheep with William Conrad. You know what? Not William. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, Robert Conrad. William Conrad is completely different. Uh, Bob Bob Black Sheep, kind of a really good show. If anyone, it's Nobody remembers Baba Black Sheep anymore, but it actually was pretty good. Anyways, uh, well, that was a show about a World War II Marine attack squadron. And anyways, um, you, I didn't know this following little fun fact until DJ told me a couple of days ago. But in 1984... John LaRiquette was cast as a Klingon hmm? first officer in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. He's that guy that had to take care of the damn dog or whatever that thing was. Yes. <laughs> right? 
Right. The Targ. Listen, <laughs> I've seen the search for Spock about a million times. And I don't know what I was doing when the credits were rolling by because I certainly knew the name John LaRiquette. But somehow, I guess I must have been looking the other way every time that credit flashed by because I didn't know he was in Star Trek Three. At any rate, his biggest vehicle that would launch him into the public spotlight was really Night Court, um, which was uh, a fairly long-running and fairly successful television series. Who else was in that, Deej? Well, um, I think it was just this last year we we uh, lost one of the lead roles in it, the young woman who was the defense attorney, a Marky Post. Marky Post. Who was the guy that uh, Anderson, what was his name? Harry Anderson. Henry, Harry Anderson, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was pretty popular. Uh, I didn't log much time with it, but I guess, anyways. So, what um, uh, we got here is uh, Lower Cat would appear in about 10 films. Over the years, um, <laughs> not all of them all that great, but anyways, <laughs> the uh, some, <laughs> some of them would be like Meatballs Part Two. Now, don't you rat on the 1985 no. movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Summer Rental with uh, John Candy, John Candy, Blind Date in '87. So, uh, anyways, uh. Madhouse, by the way, uh, because both the stars, Kirstie Alley and John Lorquette, were involved concurrently in their own TV shows. Uh, Madhouse had to be done, you know, when those shows were on break. Um, So Madhouse was filmed between uh, night court recording schedules and and. he would star in three films over the next five years. After the conclusion of Night Court, he had his own series. And it, it, it's not bad. From 1993 to 96, that's that's not bad. The John LaRiquette show. He it was uh, he portrayed a recovering alcoholic who becomes the manager of a big city bus station. I never watched it. But anyways, shortly shortly thereafter, Lil' would be cast in a series of recurring guest appearances in ABC's legal series, The Practice. And then he uh, he, he uh, was in a, a continuation, kind of a sequel called Boston Legal. And most recently, uh, our John Lorquette here starred as the lead in four seasons of the TNT series, The Librarians. That's 2013 to 18. That was about a secret archive of objects with occult properties. Sounds like Warehouse 13 to me, DJ. Kind of, and like that uh, Friday the 13th TV series. Yeah. Anyways, he's got about 109 acting credits, and uh, uh, so there you go, DJ. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, have a lot of hopes for this movie. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to tell you about the leading lady. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, geez. Okay. We haven't talked about her yet. Go That's ahead. Quite all right. She comes to us from the heartland, folks. She was born in Kansas. So if you need to know how to, you know, put a saddle on, she might be their gal. But uh, more importantly, Kirsty, and uh, in the early days of her career, she used to have to correct people. She's not Christy, she's Kirsty, and she used to tell folks, it's Kirsty, like thirsty. Ah, anyways, <laughs> Kirsty shares a birthday, January 12th, with my dear sweet hubby, Billy. We won't hold it against him. And uh, she worked as a lifeguard and an interior designer after moving to the L.A. And she began acting in the late 70s and early 80s. Now, her first theatrical release was starring in Star Trek II. Oh, movie. my God, Star Trek. Yes, she played um, a junior officer who was sort of a fleeting love interest of a man who was old enough to be her father. Um, mm -hmm. Five years prior to her being cast as Shelley Long's replacement on Cheers. Mm. So uh, before Let me just interject, DJ. Mm -hmm. Cheers, long-running show. I think it got better with Kirstie Alley. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any opinion. Oh, Shelley Long was fine, that whole thing, but it had run its course. And wisely, you know, Shelley Long left fine. But I, they they managed to, I think, go farther. And I think Kirstie brought tons, way more better things to Cheers. You know, I think it goes hand in hand with... Um, uh, a few other shows. Now, Doctor Who, case in point, they've always had the better episodes when they've had the the friends that go with them, the companions, as people who aren't wowed by their, their mentor. Now, Cheers, I feel, got better once the leading lady wasn't sleeping with the boss anymore. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebecca, which was, of course, uh, Kirstie Alley's character, um, she was nonplussed by Sam, the ladies' man. So there you go. We have some a little maturity that we've gained in the uh, in the writing room there. So uh, let's see. Continuing on about Kirstie Alley before her big break on network TV. Kirstie starred in Masquerade, and that was an ABC series, one season in 83. It was an intelligence organization recruiting civilian specialists for individual message, uh, missions requiring their skills. Good Lord, don't remember that. <laughs> one season, it's out there somewhere. And then she starred in... Um, a uh, a film with the leading man from the 1960s version of the time machine rod taylor mm. uh that was actually the abc series masquerade rod taylor was involved with that oh okay and then in both the 85 and 86 tv miniseries is that also starred Mr. Jonathan Frakes from, yes, Star Trek. North and South had oh Kirstie Alley. That was kind of a big deal. 
It was. And before Cheers concluded its 11-season run, Ellie launched her film career with her first leading role in Look Who's Talking in 89 with her friend John Travolta. Incredibly popular, it turned out to be. And, um, you know, the sequel was actually the one and only time that I uh, went on a date with a girl. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) BJ, you can't land something there and not talk about it more, but we don't have time. All you need to know. All you need to know is Roseanne Barr did a voice in that one. Anyways, in 1990, the year Madhouse was released, Allie would star in three films. Madhouse, sibling rivalry with Carrie Fisher, which I have to see. It's on my list. I haven't seen it yet, believe it or not. All right, all right. And the aforementioned Look Who's Talking 2, otherwise known as How I Got My Act Together. Um, (laughs) Overall, Allie would star in six films over the next five years. And to date, she has 75 acting credits. Most recently, she would have a recurring role on the Fox horror TV series, not can be confused with our uh, sister podcast, Scream Queens. Yeah, under the Univaz banner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Patrick Walsh, Scream Queens with a Z. Uh, I love it. Often having movie nights on Sundays. Yes. Uh, Tommy likes to uh, be in on that. Um, So speaking of uh, movie watches, you and I and matinee minutia sometimes have a watch party and i wonder if if people who listen to the podcast are confused about watch parties and what we do here live right now they're two different things aren't they they are now um because we can only put so much out there on our web page that's for the general public, don't you know? We have a members-only club. It's called our Facebook group. And if you stop on over to Facebook and you just search for Matinee Minutia, you're sure to find us. Every now and then, we decide that we want to share a viewing of an upcoming program with you. And you can certainly join in on that. We have a little linky-poo on our webpage that says Watch Party. And that will take you right into the room. Now, if we aren't having a watch party at the time, it's going to be small potatoes because the room's going to be empty. But if you are in our Facebook group, you will have advance notice. There you go. And anyways, we did have a watch party for Madhouse. And it was the first time I ever saw it. And I frankly didn't have a lot of hopes for it. But I'll tell you, I left a lot that night, didn't I? Oh, you sure did. And uh, (laughs) this was definitely good timing because, you know, um, the holidays are bittersweet for a lot of folks. I mean, uh, depending on your your home life situation, you're either got a house full or you're, you know, uh, reflecting on days gone by. But either way. It can be a stressful time, and who doesn't like a good belly laugh? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it struck me just right, and I I had a lot of laughs. I had a lot of chortles. I had a lot of snickers, and I had a lot of belly laughs. So I'm telling you, this movie uh, really made me happy. So let's talk about it. 
Yeah, you know, this came out. Now, I want to say this probably uh, came out oh, uh, when I was around to be a, a new uncle. I probably did not see it when it was brand brand new. So I probably got to see it once it was on cable. But it was perfect timing. Now, I will volunteer that, yes, it was a bittersweet moment. You know, there is really sometimes no um, better intentions for things. But when you're starting over in life, like maybe uh, like my sister Betty, you've just moved home after your spouse has finished their four years in the military. You're, you're having to start a new chapter because you're rejoining society. And well... Uh, this, uh, this struck a chord with me because my dear sweet sister was trying to start over in life and reestablish her roots. And, uh, we just, um, knew all too well, these themes of house guests and things just coming apart at the seams. <laughs> Cause you know, before you know it, your nephews have come into your bedroom and you might be an early teenager, but you're not ready to get rid of your childhood toys yet. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but just moment after moment in this and you know, um, to a degree, uh, we we do want to warn our animal-loving friends that there might be some scenes that you're sensitive to, but they are totally tongue-in-cheek. Now, Toppy, you and I talked a little bit about this behind the curtain. There were some subtle undertones of other genres in this. Now, um, tell the folks a little bit about how there were tributes to horror films in this. Well... <clears throat> Okay, so the screwy cat thing in Madhouse. <laughs> Quite a few laughs there. And it was very broad, sti broad, broad stick. That's not the word. Slapstick, I guess. Um, uh, uh, this cat. <laughs> okay, this cat was put through a lot of things in this movie. And uh, I think you heard in the half hour mark interview with John Lorquette, he, he talked a bit about this cat, about this cat. Um, and uh, certainly somebody who did this movie had seen Pet Cemetery, don't you think? I think so. I, I want to say that anytime there are little tributes in a film, it has to be something as much as the director was probably a fan of those things. I think so. At any rate, it's, it's very it's played very broadly, but this poor cat, this poor cat, uh, basically uh, spends its nine lives in this movie, and uh, I found it funny. Uh, if you don't take it too seriously, uh, other things. Um, I think. I think. Christy Alley shines in this movie. She is funny as hell. And she's done a lot of comedies. I mean, uh, in cheers for years. And she is a fine comedic actress. My hat's off to her. So Bobby Wyant interviewed at Kirstie Alley too, and she was all business and it was hysterical because they for a moment talked about the, the striptease scene that occurs in Madhouse. And it's it, <clears throat> hilarious because you have 
this um you know probably middle-aged lady who's the the news host and uh she's certainly a conservative type but the way she words her statement to Kirsty is just hysterical. She tells her that she enjoyed her strip scene. <laughs> right. And Kirstie just probably didn't know what to think about it, but, um, you know, it, it, it just shows that she is a versatile actress, and uh, this is a, a very enjoyable first time out from the television realm. And, uh you know, uh, I really am um, sort of drawn to look at the earlier days of her career because I want to watch Sibling Rivalry now. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm uh, in today's cancel culture, I'm kind of tired of cancel culture, and I try to separate the artist from their art for the most part. It's easy to do in some cases and very hard to do in others. But the chat room right now is talking very much about uh, Kirstie Alley. And let's just say, uh, what's the the religious movement there? What the hell they call it? They're Scientologists. Scientology. But also... Uh, I apparently I didn't know this, but she supported Trump. And I guess, you know, a lot of people feel don't blame them that she's gone around the bend. And, you know, let's just say she's not people's favorite actress anymore, which which is fine. Uh, Things happen. But that's that's what the chat room has been talking about uh, through what we've been saying and yeah i mean kirstie alley hasn't made a lot of friends lately but to not in her defense i will say though that she has accomplished some good things in her career for others at a time when there was a slump in her career she got a series on showtime and it was all about the misogyny and the chauvinism in hollywood when it comes to women of a certain age. Oh, Spanky just mentioned that. Is that Fat Actress? Yes. And uh, I never got to see it in its initial run, but Hubby's recently introduced me to some of it. It's rather delightful because she compares herself to some of her contemporaries and, you know, of the male persuasion. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, you want me to lose weight for this role? And James Gandolfini is doing The Sopranos or what have you. Now, that's kind of a, um, a bad example because Mr. Gandolfini's no longer with us. But um, <laughs> but that actress was certainly a big effort on her part to um, sort of uh, put a spotlight on the practices of the Hollywood machine. Mm-hmm. I never saw it, but I read a lot about what she was doing there. At any rate, it's just worth noting the chat room's reaction. And, you know, I mean, it it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get back to Madhouse. Yes, please tell me, in the moments of hilarity, what would you say was your favorite? Well, uh, her striptease part was was great but there were so many others and i have to have to admit the uh the the uh, drama to the pork 
the poor cat. <laughs> well, I couldn't help but laugh. Um, but uh, the general the general calamity that grew and grew and grew, uh, because it wasn't just a couple of house guests. It, it ended up being another and another and another. <laughs> and uh, you know this uh, this newlywed couple like they just want to be alone. And uh, the comedy that came out of, well, they ain't going to be alone and they're not going to be alone. And uh, because they were kind enough to extend themselves, uh, it was holy suffering cow there. And uh, and the uh, angst and uh, hilarity ensued. And uh, it was just... um, a delightful series of uh, comedic moments. Now, I will say, uh, listen, for me, a really good comedy has a heart. Does this movie have a heart? Well, <laughs> not so much. But, it can be mean-spirited at times. Well, I'm just saying, for me, the... Uh, the level of uh, comedy for me is I need more than just one funny scene after another. I just need more than that for a comedy. I, I just do. And uh, for example, for me, uh, a really good comedy movie is uh, uh, D- D- Dustin Hoffman in <laughs> God. Tootsie. Where does my brain brain go, DJ? Tootsie, thank you. Tootsie to me is a great comedy. Why is it a great comedy to me? It's because it has all the great funny moments, but it has a heart. Does Madhouse rise to that level? No. Uh, but uh, listen, the night I watched it, I laughed my ass off. There you go. Yeah, you know, and I I would say that for me, where I find the heart is um, the sympathy. I I felt for the young couple and their need to have a moment alone. <laughs> well, that 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 was pretty much pretty much it there. I do have to say that uh, Lorquette and and the pairing with um, Christielli, they. There, there was something there. They, they, they were a good couple for the screen, and uh, that helped the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll say that my single most favorite moment in the movie was when they've decided that they've uh, had enough, and they start kicking everyone out. And she goes, she goes to her husband's den, the spare bedroom, to kick her sister out. And it, you could tell that she's been thinking about this moment for a while. Because her sister, you know, spoilers, folks, her sister seems to think that she's just going to play coy and be like, I'm not decent. And what does Kirsty do? She breaks down the door with her blouse ripped open to just her brassiere. And she's like, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there was another aspect to the comedy uh, that was quite good in 
Kirstie Alley's character, she's a uh, some sort of uh, a TV personality mm-hmm. on some some station, you know, like a I don't know what would you call her? Like she was a she did soft news for a morning program or whatever. Oh, yeah, they called her the Question Girl. Yeah, and uh, she breaks. <laughs> And one of my, I think my favorite, maybe my favorite scene, <laughs> she breaks down while she's on air because she's <laughs> under so much stress from her family situation that she starts, she can't help herself. She starts talking about it uh, on air and her, her co-host is like giving her sight of like, what? And she's going way off script, way <laughs> off script. Anyways, for me, that, that may have been the funniest scene. Oh, and what and what makes it better is that it happens a couple of times, and one of the times that it happens, it happens to be her house that she's they're talking about on the news while she's on set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this movie goes to pretty slapstick lengths. There's a lot of there's a lot of animals in this movie, like John Lurkett <laughs> said, elephants, snakes, cats. <laughs> Uh, and it's pretty broad, folks. Pretty broad. Oh my goodness! Then, then there's the young, possibly not legal aged neighbor girl who is. Way- oh my god! <laughs> she's she is- always on a trampoline, and she's, and she's always being very suggestive with her body language. And yeah, my favorite scene with that young lady is when she asks her neighbor, John Larroquette's character, Mark. If he wants to bounce and he says, yeah. no, there are laws. <laughs> uh, uh, let's give credit to the actress who portrayed, um, who was it? Chris Daly's sister, but one of the people that came to stay and she was the one that was having trouble with her husband. Do we know her name? What's her name? Well, the actress who played the cousin's wife, the character was Bernice, was Jessica Lundy. She was yeah. good in this. She did a good job. Yeah. And uh, most notably, a few years later, she did a film with, sorry, Tom Arnold called The Stupids. Tom Arnold! Oh, God, Tom Arnold. But the honorable mention goes to Kirstie's um, lead uh, lady uh, runner-up here, her, who played her sister, Beautifully. Allison LaPlaca. Now, I don't know much about this lady, but in an interview, um, it was mentioned that she was on a Fox uh, TV series for a while called Duet. And it looks like she also, um, in the 80s, was in Fletch with uh, Chevy Chase. Okay. And one of the other things about this movie is, because it was 1990, uh there's just a whole 90s gestalt about the costumes and the hair and the, you know, if you, you kind of dig that sort of thing, there's lots to appreciate in this movie about that. Also, let's talk about, let's talk about their dream home. Uh, John Lorquette's and Kirstie Ellis dream home. Wasn't there something, was there something of the time about that home? They showed it a lot. I mean, that was the setting for the movie, the mm. little dream home. What did you think about their home? Oh, it was terrific because the best line that sort of, you know, broke the mood 
was when the cousin and his wife showed up, which of course the the uh, the punchline sort of in the beginning of the fifth, first 15 minutes is the newlywed couple is still having their mail forwarded and the letter arrives the cousin is coming to visit but it's today now ah, so anyways the cousin arrives with his wife and they're from new jersey and she just says it perfectly when she walks into the place she's like ooh earth tones hides the dart Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, the set was. I, I uh, saw in one of the interviews that he collected, this was all done in Tucson, Arizona. It was. Apparently, that doubles well for Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Anyways, we are closing in on the end here. Um, I'm just going to say, look. I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot the night I saw this. Is this a great movie? Hell no. But (laughs) I enjoyed it enough. I really did. I will say that there is a good chance you're more likely to see this movie at my house than Christmas Vacation because that movie is banned. Ha! Really? (laughs) It's funny the first time you watch it. But it's sad when you realize you're related to people like that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, so don't bring it over. (laughs) So, Toppy, could you take a peek over the balcony for me, sir, and let us know who was with us in the chat room tonight? Oh, I'd be glad to, because we are so grateful for the people that show up. They help us uh, make the evening and they participate in the chat room. And we're so thankful. So we got Janet. We have Myron Gertz. We have Tommy Hash Browns. And we have V-Money 7707. We thank you all for being here. It means a lot and uh, it helps us make a great show. So thank you. And uh, if for nothing else, uh, you can see Dennis Miller in one of his earliest film. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about that. I know it was hair and um, it was a few years before he was the, uh, the older man of interest in um, the net with Sandra. Bullock. Yeah. 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 Dennis Miller was in this movie and he and, looked so young. I couldn't believe it when I saw Dennis Miller and I just thought, my God, holy shit. Was he, and I still don't know, uh, was he doing Saturday Live at this time, or I think he'd been doing some of the hosting just before this, and this possibly led to him getting that part. Mm, okay. Anyways, I was he he had a small, but he was there, and he just looked so young, and I just thought, my God, you know, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> well, want we need mm-hmm. to talk about. Our related recommendations. Yes, sir. So this is our snack tray. What's left over after you've gone through your munches and uh, something you might enjoy if you like Madhouse. Now, if you haven't seen Madhouse, right now it's available for free. Shh. But it's legal. And Tubi, T-U-B-I. That's how we saw it. 
Okay, so something you might enjoy if you like Madhouse. This is a film from a couple of years later. It stars one of my favorite leading ladies and comic geniuses, Goldie Hawn. And Mr. Steve Martin, speaking of Saturday Night Live. And uh, this is a film called House Sitter, a terrific film. It's about a con artist named Gwen who moves into a man named Newton's empty house. He's an architect. And without his knowledge, she becomes she begins setting up house posing as his new wife <laughs> okay i have no memory of this movie 1992 was made apparently yes sir uh my recommendation if you like madhouse you'll probably see i had a hard time but i mean you'd probably like uncle buck which is another person overstaying their welcome kind of movie um but i guess i'm gonna go with the money pit 198 uh 19 oh it was 1986 uh, a comedy directed by Richard Benjamin. Uh, Tom Hanks was in that along with Shelley Long. Best line in that movie. I'm in the den. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyways, there are a couple who have this house and they're trying to renovate it. And it's just madcap. And uh, I don't know. It uh, Madhouse reminded me. A lot of the money pit. And I think if you like Madhouse, you'll like the money pit. So that's uh, my recommendation. By the way, it was co-executive produced by Steven Spielberg, who must have had a lot of confidence in the material. But, and uh, it starred Kirstie Alley's predecessor, Julie, uh, Shelley Long. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, we come to the end of the shoe. We're going to tell you about what's going to happen next. All right, Toppy, grab us those magic coins. So we oh, can yeah, figure the it magic out. coins from a magician, folks. All right, we're going to put them in the machine here, the gumball in the lobby. Yeah. Out comes. Oh, there it is. The capsule. I am up. never. I'm, uh, I'm never more amazed than this <laughs> moment of magic. Me too, DJ. Uh, oh, I just opened it. Oh, the next next time, folks, we're going to do a beloved television series that went on TV on and off from, not get this, 1968 to 2003. Can you imagine what freaking TV show could this have been? Well, it was called Columbo with everyone's favorite uh, American crime drama uh, homicide detective Peter Falk and that's what we're going to do next time on Matinee Minutia that's going to be Friday January 21st at 9pm you can get us here live folks listening to the podcast you can be here live just like all the fine folks here who are doing it now. Columbo. Well, listen, uh, it's been celebrated by a lot of um, uh, critics as uh, just one of the all-time uh, greatest um, series, a greatest actor in a series, a, a greatest crime drummer. I did say drummer. And uh, it's an all-around uh, 
really good show. And one of the best things about Columbo is when you watch it, it has all of the great uh, actors that came on as guest stars. People, in my, in my view, in my lifetime, you cherished uh, and and loved to see on TV. And Columbo had a great guest star every episode. Anyways, that's next time on Matinee Minutia. Oh, you know, I would say I'm shocked and surprised, but we've actually already discussed two of Mr. Peter Falls. That's so. right. So we were about to get around to it, I think. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight. And yes, indeed. And in, in the ways of the old days of radio, Toppy, could you say good night, Gracie? Uh, yeah. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. This has been an Alibug production. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net.